How do we revolutionize cancer care? What innovations can solve global food scarcity? Can the next big leap in drug development come from a place you might not expect? These are the questions that drive us on New Wave, a podcast where curiosity meets life-changing science. In Nova Scotia, a new wave of pioneers are answering these questions, from reimagining how we treat the most daunting diseases to tackling the challenges of feeding a growing planet. Their stories are as inspiring as they are impactful. I'm Taylor McGilvery. Join me as we dive into these extraordinary narratives. We're not just talking about scientific breakthroughs. We're exploring how these advancements touch lives, reshape communities, and pave the way for a brighter future. Subscribe to New Wave on your favorite platform. Be part of a journey that takes you to the heart of innovation and shows how, in Nova Scotia, we're not just asking questions, we're finding answers. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Happy hump day, everybody. It's Bridie here to introduce this week's guest. We are so lucky to have Jessica Graham back on Turn Me On Podcast this week. Jessica is a teacher of meditation, intimacy, as well as grief and trauma resolution. 
She's also an actor, a filmmaker, author, and I think it's safe to say a friend. This is, as I said, our second conversation with Jessica. And this time around, we talk about completing trauma cycles, the human experience of being an animal, and dad stuff. We'll see you on the other side. I, um, I, you know, this is like one of my favorite parts about doing this podcast is having the opportunity to have a, a repeat sit down with past guests that have like really blown our minds. Um, and, uh, Jessica, you are for sure one of my like all time favorite guests that we've ever had on the show. Um, we got to sit down with you a couple of years ago on a trip to LA where we were banging out a bunch of recordings. And um, for folks who who maybe like are newer to the podcast or haven't haven't listened that far back in the catalog, um, just take a moment to introduce yourself to our listeners and to give uh, us, our listeners, and anyone who doesn't know, a bit of a refresher on who you are and what you do. Yes. Hi. Thank you. And you're one of my favorite podcasts I've ever done. And I've done a lot of podcasts, so it's like you know. Um, you, you two are very special. So thanks. <laughs> thanks for having me back. I was honored to be on that list of people when I got that email. Um, so yeah, so I do a bunch of things. I, um, <laughs> I wrote a book called good sex, getting off without checking out, which is part memoir, part meditation manual, part like conscious sex, but with a less vanilla twist, I guess, than a lot of what's out there. <laughs> um, and uh, I work with folks one-on-one um, and with couples. And at this point, a lot of my work is around trauma and grief resolution. Uh, that tends to be what draws people to me and what I'm most passionate working around. And it's when you work with sexuality and spirituality, it, you almost always run into trauma. Uh, and so it just made sense um, for me to put some emphasis on that in my work. So I'm currently in a two-year program um, called Rebloom, and it's an archetypal somatic-based trauma resolution training, which wow. it's a lot of stuff that I was already doing and then just getting to deepen it and getting, you know, a great teacher in Rachel Maddox and great community in the our cohort. So um, that's been a, a big focus is working around trauma. And then I'm also an actor and I'm a filmmaker. And sometimes I take my clothes off for photographers and do some nude modeling. <laughs> so I, I do a bunch. Yeah. Well, yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, can, can we, just something you said there, how do archetypes play into dealing with trauma? Yeah. So in this modality, Rebloom, um, there are seven archetypes and they basically go from baby, which is, uh, Rachel calls that the soul seed. And that's, um, you know, kind of the beginning of, of needing, like needing and receiving worthy and receptivity. And so she created these archetypes kind of based on, you know, some sort of download. Um, and it goes all the way through to like, the archetype of sage, you know, which mm. the, the name kind of covers it. But then in between there's, there's um, archetypes around expression and like whole self-expression and archetypes around um, uh, addressing trauma at the, you know, community and cultural and world level. So it's, mm. it's, it's a really, it's a really cool um, 
modality she set up. Archetypal work in general, I mean, I, I remember doing um, some Jungian analysis back at the beginning of my trauma resolution journey and just finding it really powerful, you know, to mm. delve into those kinds of places. Um, I think there can be something said for being able to see yourself reflected in, in this large sort of um, collective consciousness kind of way. And that's what I really think can be powerful about the archetypal work, whether it's, you know, in this modality of rebloom or wherever else to be able to say, oh yeah, like I really resonate with that. And I see sort of the trajectory of not only the imprint, the wounding, the trauma, but the trajectory to a, to healing and to resolution and to, you know, fulfillment and joy and ease and all that good stuff. Very cool. I'm curious about <clears throat> about trauma resolution. Um, some we were having a conversation the other day with a, a guest who was talking about completing the trauma response and how that is it from from what I was gathering, completing the trauma response is like getting to a conclusion that you've not been able to to get to in your trauma cycles. And I don't even know how to begin to inquire on like, what does that actually mean? Like if my trauma is, has to do with, you know, like, you know, as a, as a kid, let's say not getting something that I needed is the trauma resolution or completing the trauma cycle about me, like having that need fulfilled, or is it about me kind of coaching myself through not needing that I I just Mm. so I'm so curious Mm. about what it means to find resolution from and with an old trauma especially yeah yeah um yeah this is like one of my favorite topics so I love I love to talk about this um so I imagine what your friend was talking about um in referencing the completing of a of a trauma response um is actually somatically based so um when we experience a trauma, um, let's say the trauma of, you know, having a parent who maybe is really loving, but is absent and we're sort of alone a lot. And we don't, um, you know, we don't get that, that, uh, need of proper mirroring and belonging met. Um, the trauma response could be, you know, a sense of, wanting to collapse and hide and freeze. It could be a sense of wanting to run and like get away and, you know, find somebody who can meet our needs. It could be fight. Like we want to just like, you know, I'm so mad. You're not giving what I need. I want to like kick and punch and bite and scratch these animal body responses right now. This is a slightly easier to talk about if we, if we, you know, make the trauma a little, a, a little more like traditionally intense, like trauma is relative. It's, you know, it's all, it's all can impact in all kinds of ways, but, you know, for example, with me, um, you know, I experienced, uh, physical abuse as a child. And so some of my resolution work is to go into what arises around that. It's not about digging in and pulling up the memory, but it's like, oh, in this moment, as I'm talking about this thing going on with my apartment hunt and not feeling safe at this one place I checked out. Oh, wow. That brings up this feeling of not feeling safe. Oh, that's connected to this feeling of like, I'm going to get beat up if I make the wrong choice. Mm. So the incomplete trauma response could be like, I need to push the person who abused me away, or I need to 
punch them or I need to run really fast or I need to just like collapse and like contract and protect, right? Usually there's a combination of these that wants to happen to complete the fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response in the body. And so I'm guessing that's what your friend was referencing as far as incomplete response. And you can do that through somatic experiencing, through various somatic release um, modalities, which is what I do with folks. It's not specifically somatic experiencing, but it comes from that same world. Um, But then there's endless ways, not endless, but there's many ways that have come up that you can work with trauma resolution, everything from EMDR, which is incredibly powerful, to um, body work, voice work, shamanic work, meditation, like there's lots and lots of different ways. But when someone comes to me fresh, like if they're, if they're a friend, they're not coming to like work with me. And they're like, what do I want? You want some, you want someone who can help you somatically. Um, someone who is informed, not just informed, but literate about trauma. So you want someone who's a specialist really to help you with that. I Can I jump in there? I, this is the first time I've ever heard fawn. I've heard, I've heard fight, flight, or freeze. I'm pretty familiar with all of those responses. What is fawn? So I got a dog. I don't know if you've noticed on social media because I'm obsessed with him. (laughs) Um, He is the cutest little thing. And he's, he is traumatized. He, he, I got him when he was seven. He'd already had a long life and a lot of loss. And um, I'm looking for him. He's like curled up in a ball over there. Um, And so he has, he's has PTSD basically. Mm -hmm. And if he is scared of someone, and he was scared of an ex of mine, he will, he might bark, he might growl, but ultimately he'll just start licking and like being really sweet and energetic and licking and licking and licking and like, like me, like me, love me, love me so that you don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Please, please, please. I love you. Lick, lick, lick. It's like that. And we can like people pleasing. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Okay. Interesting. I've never heard of that. And that's, that's so interesting and makes total sense. So like, a, like finding a, an, a, a different route to protect that isn't, that isn't fighting, that isn't running away, that isn't like going into full freeze mode. Yes and no, right? Because the body does those things to protect us, right? And mm. so if there's an incomplete response of it, we want to be able to complete that response, yeah, which means yeah. in a safe way, being able to move through that. And that can look like, I mean, sometimes it literally is, I can, I'll work with a client and we'll do like a slow motion punch and the body starts to feel it and something happens like in the nervous system, it starts to activate And then oftentimes that fight response will kind of collapse into sort of a melting of the freeze response. There'll be emotion that releases. There might be another white wave of anger. Then we tend to want to like offer cocooning and just like kind of integration. So you want to let the process unfold, but you want to do it in a safe and contained and resourced way. And so you bring in a lot of resource as well, which is basically mind, body, internal, external, um, tangible, intangible, something that you can focus on that is either neutral or pleasant. And then you can Mm. basically pendulate between the intensity and the less intense experience. And so again, there's a lot of other ways to work with it. Another thing that I really 
like for myself and doing with others is going into memories and kind of doing parts work or inner child work, um, giving that little girl who maybe um, didn't get her needs met in certain ways with her parent, you know, going in and taking your your current day self or some ideal self or some like valiant resource. Like um, I had someone bring in Arnold Schwarzenegger as Iron Man the other day to help resolve something, you know, you bring, bring that in, let, and then like, you know, work with the younger self, help the younger self feel safe. It's kind of phenomenal how just kind of visualizations like that can impact you at like, you know, the nervous system level. Hmm. Yeah, that resonates. I was thinking about that the other day in the dog park. I was just like feeling like a bit of a temper tantrum arising in me at the thought of this recurring argument in my relationship and uh and I could feel my body responding in like this emotional way <clears throat> and I tried to remember the first time I I felt like that and I saw myself as as this like 6-year-old or 7-year-old and and how I would approach and speak to that human now with the knowledge that I have um knowing what that what I needed at that moment that, that was not being provided and, and sort of trying to provide it now. But I can only imagine how, how much more impactful that could be if I invited in like Iggy Threadgood, who is my superhero, you know, or like some rad, you know, hero that, that I have in, in my life to come in here and help me resolve this, this issue with this child me that I've found here sitting on the bleachers at this dog park. <clears throat> yeah. And I mean, even before inviting in any sort of resource, like already what you're doing there is trauma resolution, what you described mm. is trauma resolution, you know, and it, it can certainly be helpful, you know, to have, you know, a kind, skillful, loving reflection, a person with you to support you in that, but you can absolutely um, <laughs> delve into trauma resolution on your own as well. And there's a book, um, a friend of mine and just an amazing human, uh, Kimberly Ann Johnson wrote um, the fourth trimester and her most recent book is um, Call of the Wild. And she takes you through how to work with a lot of how to work with the fight response. It's, it's targeted women, but I would say like, it's for any gender really. Um, and she gives you the step-by-step to do it by yourself. Um, which great if you can have support ideal, but not everybody has that privilege. So Mm. I, I gotta ask like as a, as a meditator, um, someone with this, this background and this practice (laughs) and, uh, and then how do you walk the line of, 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 of like, I guess sometimes I look at us and I'm like, we are animals and we have all these (coughs) complex things because we can, because we do have the mental capacity to like reflect and remember and invent and, and, and yet like, and yet zooming out looking at things, it's like, well, yeah. And we're also very brief and we're barely here. And like, how do you get through the day with holding those two things? Because I find it really challenging. Uh, I love the question. How do you get through the day? I'm like, that's just, that's, that's my kind of question. I love it. Um, (laughs) yeah, well, look, huh? 
what I've come to understand at this point is that this whole path is, and by whole path, I mean, whether it's trauma resolution or spiritual awakening or whatever, whatever else, um, it's about becoming more and more human. And by that, I mean more and more awake to and alive to our human experience, which includes, you know, the infinite myriad of possibility as far as what we could experience as, as human beings. Um, and with, as part of that is this absolute that you're pointing at this absolute of like how finite and how tiny we are, right. Which plugs us into the spacious, vast, limitless, who knows what mystery awareness. Um, and the more, I would say the more quote unquote human I become, the more I am awake to that, which makes it really easy to get through the day because everything is absolutely 100% okay all of the time. It could never not be because it's, how could it not be? How could everything and nothing not be okay in that absolute sense? So it's like, that is maybe the container or the resource to hold getting through the day. And then like the day to day is like remembering that I am an animal. I am a human animal and I'm going to um, have traumas and I'm going to have uh, various kinds. We all have various sorts of addictions or addictive behaviors to all kinds of things. I'm going to have, you know, my heart broken. I'm going to break other people's hearts. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go through this human experience and how can I continually end without making my whole life just the job of resolving and healing? How can I continually be stepping into like the next iteration, the next evolution of what's needed and what's wise? Like for the last three and a half months, I've been going through this like big major life transition and what's been skillful and wise for the first couple of months was to completely distract myself. I'm a meditation teacher, completely distract myself with like, you know, kind of random fun dating and staying up too late at night. And, um, kind of being in a bit of a hyper arousal state. I don't mean sexually aroused. I mean like nervous system, mm. like just kind of going like, and that is actually what was the skillful wise thing to do. And then it was time to stop and to ground again. So I think it's not like we can get these ideas of like, well, the right thing um, is, you know, you've got to X amount of sleep and X amount of meditation and this and this and this, and I'm someone with chronic illness. So I do have to be aware of that fact because it's a major component in my life. But if I start trying to do the, the like human development thing to the level where my life becomes this like rigid, dry, you know, sandpaper thing, then I, it's a lot harder to plug into that absolute actually, because yeah. I start suffering more. Yeah. Did yeah. that answer the question at all? I, I mean, I think so because I don't even I, I don't even know if the question is is a fully like formulated question. It's just something that I, you know, Jeremy and I were talking before we all hopped on to record and I'm just talking about life and and feeling purpose and feeling meaning and 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 like we're here for so long and and like what do we do with all this time and yet at the same time it's it's a blip and so what does it matter if i'm addicted to you know i whatever i'm addicted to and and you know just just trying to make sense of of it all and like to ideally it, 
you know, suffer less than, um, than I could, you know, we could like to, to find ways of not clinging to like things that feel good and make us feel happy and whatever, but to, to like, what's the value, I guess, in like experiencing the range of things. I, my head, my head just feels like a, a big complicated uh, uh, like messy room right now. And like, I need to like go around and start putting some things away. Uh, but, but I just, whenever I get a, a thinker on the line, I feel like it's a question that I can, I can ask and like, maybe there's something in there that, yeah. you know? And, yeah. And I, I don't, I think, I think what you're, I think what you're talking about and what you're experiencing is something that especially right now because of the time that we find ourselves in a lot of people are having those those thoughts and those those like that you know it's it's existential yeah thinking it's existential you know processing of like what the fuck does it mean like what are what are my values what are the what what are the things that i that i cherish what are the things i need to get rid of what are the things that i need to keep what are the things that i need to develop and and you know like you said jessica like how, what's what's the next evolution here and i think we're i think a lot of people are going through that process right now of just trying to trying to sort out this gigantic mess that we're in which you know and some of it's so nice and 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 affirming for so many people like oh okay so and i mean maybe this is just my echo chamber but i feel like there are more people than ever saying like, you know, this male, female and, and gender, um, binary has been incredibly, uh, stifling to the diversity that is possible in mm. human expression, expression. Yeah, yeah. and, and, but it, it's been this way and it works this way to keep the system running in order and so there's like a bit of a grieving of of a future that I think we all, you know, our parents were preparing us for. And then also this like excitement that maybe it's going to be more colorful of a mm. future. Like maybe we are going to be able to not suffer so much because we're trying to fit into boxes that aren't real. Um, but but still it's almost like now that that box is open there is a grieving period of like well you know i personally have been going through my life as a woman identifying as feminine and that there's all these other things that didn't really fit in that box but i kind of quieted them down or altered them in such a way to make sense with like mm. my identity and now I feel like my whole life is in question. Like I think back to, you know, being a teenager and, 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 you know, people being like, you're gay or like, you know, whatever <laughs> insults that they throw at you. And, and you're like, no, I'm not. But like, what if, what am I silencing in myself? Mm. Or like, why might my relationships be a source of stress for me because of the things that I'm, Deny, or I, things I've been denying or quieting down for mm. so long. Mm. 
Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I can totally see why we, the three of us, like having these conversations because we're like <laughs> we're like living in the same same universe or something. Um, you know, I, I really want to speak to this and talk about this with with both of you. This this whole piece that you just brought up, and I I just want to just really briefly briefly say that like this idea of meaning and this idea of like what's the point. And what's all of that that can come up in this sort of existential, whether it's based on like the state of the world or based on spiritual practice is like, um, I ran into that, you know, whatever it was, eight or nine or 10 years ago, I don't know where I was like, oh, nothing actually matters. And luckily I had good teachers and I, you know, was able to kind of like get to a place where I could say, oh, nothing really matters. (laughs) Like, okay, I can, I can have a good time here. And a good time includes, you know, being loving and kind and trying to make the world a better place, but like, I can have a good time and I can choose to engage because ultimately like the spiritual path will take you to a point where it's like, it's just empty. Everything's empty. And then you make a decision. Do I engage or do I not engage? And I choose to engage and I love it. Um, and this whole, uh, conversation around, um, gender expression is one of those places where I can like lean into the engagement and like, be like, Oh, this can matter. And this can be interesting. And this can like light up this human being in such a way where, you know, the, the void is a little, <laughs> a little less empty. <laughs> um, and I just love the way you just described that. Cause that's exactly how I've been describing it. I feel so grateful to the younger generations that are making so much possible. Um, it's interesting. Cause there's often talk about like, the older generations being like, you know, whether that's, you know, in feminism or feminism or feminism or LGBTQ plus, or it's like this idea of like, well, we did this stuff and it's true. Right. And I, I was kind of part of some of that. We did this stuff to make it possible for you younger folks. And now it's like, oh, these younger folks are making it possible for someone like me who's 41. And it's like, yeah, that never quite felt right. That idea Mm. of being a woman in that way never felt quite right. I never felt quite like I related to so many of the, you know, people, my peers. And when I look back over my life, I'm like, what was my favorite outfit when I was six? No shirt, jeans, cowboy boots, like put my hair all underneath a baseball cap. Now I'm not in a place where I'm shifting pronouns right now, but I feel like if the right one arose, like if there was one that I resonated with, I might, because Mm. Um, because yeah. And the same thing that you said around like the ways in which we, we sort of manage and mask and fit ourselves into boxes, even those of us that are quite expressive and open and non-traditional, right. Which I know we all are, there can still be that tendency just based on, you know, whatever. And I realize now, like, even just in my last relationship, I came to understand how much I was trying to fit into a certain version of what femininity was. And it, it wasn't like pink dresses necessarily, nothing wrong with that, but it was like, I had a belief somewhere deep inside. This is always humbling, right? When you do this work with other people and then you're like, Whoa, look at that cavern. I wasn't aware of. Mm. Um, But like, there was this sense that if I did enough of the trauma healing work and I did enough of the sexuality work. I did enough of this and enough of that. If I, if I did enough, if I was enough, I would have a different expression of feminine. Mm -hmm. I would have a different expression of sexuality. I would have a different expression of how I moved, how I spoke, 
what, you know, what I liked, like it was a deep belief in there that I didn't even really know was there. And I didn't know how much it was impacting me. And, um, because I work in the sexuality realm, I am around, I, I hear from a lot of the divine feminine and the blah, 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 and the jade egg and the this and that. And it's like, I have no problem with any of it, but I'm like, I don't want to stick a jade egg in my pussy. I don't want to have a breathing exercise where, you know, I'm connecting to whatever, like, you know, and that doesn't mean I don't connect to the divine mother, like a motherfucker, like I do, but like my divine mother is like Suspiria divine mother. Mm. Like my divine mother is like, Mm. like not this, like, you know, and so, um, great reference. I'm so (laughs) glad you said Suspiria. (laughs) Literally, literally the, the lock screen on my phone is a Suspiria. I like, anyway, sorry, we could get out. That's a whole that's a whole other thing, but oh anyway. my goodness, yeah, we just have to have conversations. Like, let's just let's actually let's just do this regardless of the podcast. Let's just yeah. do this yeah. like every couple yeah. months. We just get yeah. together. We don't have to yeah. record it. Um, my, but yes. my question, I want to hop on that though. The, you yeah. said you said if you thought you did enough work, that you would if you did enough of the sexuality work, if you did enough of the the you know the spirituality work, do you still believe that? Do you still believe that? Okay, actually, let me let me rephrase that do do you feel like you have done enough of the work and or do you feel like that is realistic that that there is an an enough of the work you know like because i because i hear you say that and i go yeah that sounds fucking great like i want to start that work now but then there's this other voice in my head that goes it's never enough there's never enough work you could always you could you're going to say that and you're never going to, you're never going to achieve this, this like, um, enlightenment in the way that you think you will. And, and I don't know if that's just my, if that's just like the, the voice in my head that, you know, I need to be like keep in check or, or if that's just the, re- my, you know, the voice in my head, that's like keeping it real where it's, where it's saying that there's, there's never enough work for you to actually like get to that point. So what, what, like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, no, there's, there's not, you know, y- y- there is no end point. Mm. And that's regardless of whether you got all the trauma like I have, or whether you're somebody, you know, who doesn't have that experience at all, there's always more possibility and potential. Um, and the feeling of not enough, well, that's the place to work, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's where I've done a lot of work, which then mm-hmm. led to, oh, I don't need to be enough here. I am mm-hmm. enough here just mm-hmm. as I am. I was enough when I was completely traumatized and had no idea and was running around wreaking havoc. I was enough then too, like, because, you know, yeah. And the the whole idea of seeking, right? Like I get to find this more and more subtle ways that I'm seeking. But I remember when that spiritual seeker, <clears throat> that like, I want to get spiritually enlightened seeker just like died. Like, it's just Mm. like, and it was a process, but like, I was like, oh, I don't need another experience. I I could go on retreat. I could not go on retreat. Like, it's just not it. There's nowhere to go. There's nothing to do. There's nowhere to go. And I do think that in, in certain ways, it's the same in any sort of, you know, path, but it's important to do the work. It, I think, because um, ultimately, um, 
ultimately, what else are we here for than to like have deeper fulfillment and deeper joy and to be of service to other people? And I think that requires a kind of work. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't believe that there's enough work, but I also, you know, I did a lot of work to get to the point to believe that there's, to believe that. So it's sort of this mm, thing. It's like, mm-hmm. I have this teacher, Ajashanti, who I love, who used to teach a lot about direct path and just like, you're awake now, you're awake now. But he had done like 20 years of Zen sitting, you know? And so it's like, yes. And like, mm. yes, you're enough right now. And you're going to know that through and through as you, as you do the work, mm. just like, you know, for me, like to, to uncover some of this stuff around, like my gender and sexual expression, as well as finding out I'm, I'm neurodivergent. Like I got diagnosed this year, which is just mind blowing to me, but not at all. Cause those are the people I hung out with, hang out with. Mm. Those are, it makes perfect sense now. And it wasn't even on my radar because I think there were these parts of me much like the gender that I was like, well, that's not quite right. And I'm sure when I do enough trauma resolution, that will be different. And I'll be able to do X, Y, or Z, or I won't feel behind in this way or this or that. And getting that diagnosis was like instant compassion for myself Mm. around all of it. And it's, and this is the cool thing, you know, this is many years into the work and I'm just getting surprised left and right, which is great. Like that's, that's the whole point, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's the point. That is the point where it's (laughs) like the, the work is the, the work is, the work is worth it regardless of whether or not it ever becomes enough. The, the, that's, that's the part of the journey that's worth it. It's entertaining. Yeah. yeah. It's never boring. Yeah, it, yeah, it keeps things Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. it. It's like, what else? Yeah. We're here. We're, what are we going to, you know, mm. we're here. Like, let's, let's do something. <laughs> Turn Me On Podcast. We'll be back after this short break. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. 
With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Well, yeah, and it, but that's interesting to me too because when, you know, there is definitely a part of me that's like, I would, I would really like to just be able to uh, experience and savor and enjoy pleasure and joy. And I feel like my whole life I've had people saying like, lighten up. Like, why are you so serious? Like, don't, Mm -hmm. you know, just like take it easy, you know, whatever. And I, I'm, I feel like I'm trying to get there. Like I'm trying to do work so that I can laugh more easily, you know, which just seems so, I don't know, like exhausting for one. And uh, and, and like, maybe that's not in me, you know, mm-hmm. like maybe chemically that's not how I'm made, but I, I but then, so here's another thing. <clears throat> I, I was having a good cry about this before we, we turn on the microphone. So, and our listeners are no stranger to hearing uh, my tears. So they may come, but I can remember saying to my dad, who was a jokester nonstop, as a little girl, I would be like, can you just be serious nonstop, yeah. for one minute? <laughs> and he, but he was, you know, he's literally a professional clown. Yeah. And, um, and so, and sometimes, you know, I feel hit, like I feel his personality and his parenting and his genes coming through me and I'm always really entertained and pleased by that most of the time. Um, Are you ever annoyed by it? I'm like the way you were anno- by your dad? <laughs> I'm never annoyed okay. by it. Yeah. But I, I, I do like getting a, like a solid yeah. eye roll from Jeremy. That means <laughs> yeah. I've hit like peak dad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but also... You know, now that we're a little further along in in understanding neurodivergence and mental health, I also know a lot of the traits that I have from him are tied to mental illness. Mm. And so embracing those parts of me seems very sketchy as well because it it feels like, where does this come from, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that make do you, yeah. are you put, yeah. picking up what I'm putting yeah. down? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is, is what, what I'm hearing is that there's a certain level of it's not safe to just relax and have fun, right? And to just like be silly, it's not safe. And there's a certain amount of like judgment of I should be relaxed and I should be having fun and and laughing, right? And so that combination of like lack of safety and judgment, like make it a little challenging 
to do to, to relax yeah. and have fun. And so it's like, it's this beautiful combination of like, just loving, 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 loving on that serious little girl who had to be serious because if she wasn't serious, what the fuck was going to happen? Right. Like if I, if, if I didn't, you know, hide the car keys when there was a fight going on, then we'd be stuck at the house because we'd be forced to stay home because that was one of the kinds of abuse that was happening. You know, they'd get taken and we'd be stuck, you know, if I didn't do that. So of course, as I'm older, I'm going to be a little a little tightly wound around things. Right. Cause I had to do that thing or whatever it is. Right. And so, um, you know, we got to really love on the kid and the kid in us that had to be that way. And in doing that, that kid starts to feel a little safer. And then we love on the part that's judging the kid because we can't just push that aside. We got to like give that part love too. Cause that's another survival mechanism. Right that judgment that comes up. And so it's a lot, a lot, a lot of self-love. And then it comes into those, like, you know, those pieces of resolution, like, and when we have complex PTSD, which I'm not diagnosing you, but like, I'm, (laughs) for me, that's what I'm diagnosed with because it's complex. There's a lot of different layers. It's not just go in and address this one piece. It's like slowly over years with so much love and taking breaks and like not making your whole life about like healing yourself. You go in and you just, you work on a piece, right? And then like years later, you're like, whoa, that piece I worked on here. It is again in a deeper way. And that's a good thing. I haven't regressed. I'm not going backwards. I'm actually stepping forwards because I can touch into the, maybe the, maybe the baby, whatever was going on with that little mm. baby, right. Who was in that environment. You know, that's the territory I've been working in for the last couple of years myself is like baby and like even pre-birth and what that was like for that really little one. Cause you know, some of some of the very important wiring comes from men. So it's totally possible. But also I want to just say that I relate to this idea of people being like, you're serious and you should be. And you know what? Fuck you. Like, yeah, I'm serious. I can be very silly. I can laugh my ass off. And I'm kind of a dark, serious person. Like my, (laughs) my divine mother is Suspiria. Like, Mm. like, like that, like, so that's who I am and that's okay. I don't need to resolve myself out of like, I'm cool. I like me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Did did you coming to, to that, that point of like not turning your entire life into working on the, the trauma, was, was that a struggle for you to find ways to kind of break that up? Um, do you find that, like, do you find that some people kind of get caught in that cycle of like, of trying to constantly heal without, without taking breaks and, and that, in turn, having, having a, um, like maybe a negative impact on their relationships or on their, their own, you know, day-to-day life. For sure. Yeah. It's totally, it can just like anything, it can be addictive, you know? Right. <clears throat> and especially when you start to like, for me, like I saw really big shifts, um, in within like a year, like I went from one person to a really different person. Like I went from someone who, when, when triggered would have a full on PTSD response, including mm. like possibly vomiting, you know, um, and to somebody that that just didn't happen to. And I was like, Whoa, this stuff's amazing. You know, this was like a decade ago. Oh my God. Like this is, and so I want to do this all the time. Um, and yeah, you can get burnt out and absolutely one of the one of the big complaints I had in my last relationship was like, you know, in the past, I like, I moved through it, but like this thing of like, there's always something happening. Like you're always going through it. You're always discovering something new. You're always healing something like, Mm. like chill. And, um, and at the time I was like, well, this is me and this is how I do it. But over the years, I got to tell you, I think 
the intensity with which I went after healing and spiritual awakening, I don't think it helped me in the health department, Mm. to be honest. Like, I think that, you know, I've always been somewhat of a, of a, of a sickly person, but um, I got progressively worse. And I think some of that had to do with the fact of what you're talking about, where I was not giving my nervous system time to integrate rest Mm. and reset. And I was just constantly in a state of process. And, you know, when you have chronic illness due to trauma, which is my deal, um, that's not what you want to do. You want to, you want to, um, you want to be a lot gentler than that. So I became very gentle with myself over the years. And when I work with people and I see them in that, I will straight up be like, we're not meeting next week. You're taking, you're taking a break. Like you're, you have no homework. Like I'll just put them on like a, like a a timeout, which involves like Netflix and, you know, fun, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. fun in whatever that is for that person. It doesn't have to be, you know, clowning, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That integration (laughs) bit, I think that's really important. It, it, It makes me think about, you know, like psychedelics and like the, you know, you, you take, you have a, you have a really eye-opening, euphoric, incredible psychedelic experience. If you're someone who decides to like, you know, um, experiment with, with LSD one time and at the, the trap there is like, oh, this was amazing. I got to do that again. Like I got to do that again as soon as I can. Uh, not from like an addiction standpoint, but just from like a, that, that experience was very beneficial. So like, obviously the good thing is to do it again. But if you're, if you're, if you don't give it the time that it deserves to integrate, like to, to give yourself the time to integrate after something like that, then you're, you're really just going down a path that's not gonna, not gonna pan out very well. So it's, it's um, yeah. Integration I'm glad you I'm glad you pointed that out because I feel like like you said it like it's it, it is a good thing but it also seems like one of those things that could very easily be addictive you know like the the mm-hmm. the self work the self self help kind of journey that some people might find themselves on when they're dealing with past traumas or you know whatever it is yeah. um yeah especially right now where yeah. everybody is offering healing practices. (laughs) The wellness culture is alive. (laughs) It's, it's, it's like a monster. Yeah. 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 It, it, it is, it, it really, really is. And because so many people are, we're going to this, the word trauma, I'm sorry, we've used it so many times, but that, that experience, um, so many people have been through in one way or another. And certainly we all have in the last couple of years in a collective sense, um, people are, people, there's a lot of people out there who are not trauma literate, who are trying to do that work with people. And Mm. it's, it can be really damaging actually. So you want to be very sure that not only is the person you're working with a match, like not only like do the frequencies align, do you feel seen and heard? And like, do you like them? Are you attracted? I mean that, you know, not in that, you know, I like attracted to like, this is a person I'm aligned with. Um, But it also, it needs to be somebody who's like really good at it, like Mm. really good at it. Otherwise, yeah, it can, it can for sure. Um, yeah, not cause yeah. Some people might be like, no, keep going, keep going, keep going. Like, and that's not yeah. a good thing to do. Yeah. Jessica, I, I love sitting down and chatting with you. I, I feel like we could just do this for, <laughs> for hours. Um, is there, is there anything that we didn't hit on that you really wanted to, to kind of touch on before we, before we leave things today? 
Well, I know that we, we, you know, we talked a little bit about, um, uh, about some dad stuff. And I don't Mm. know if that's like maybe a place to spend just a little bit of time because Mm -hmm. look for me, when I look at also look at conflict, especially in romantic relationship, I am looking at her. I'm looking at how I'm projecting mom and dad, right? Like that's where the conflict's coming from. And so for me, the journey with my dad, who's, you know, he died in 2009 and he died um, from cancer, but because of alcoholism, because he couldn't couldn't stop drinking and couldn't stop smoking as well. Um, and my relationship with him, he was he was also not very serious, and um, he was he was a lot of fun. And he was kind of like we were unbelievably close in the most profound ways, like in like weird psychic ways. Um, And, uh, you know, there was like, it was said by an ex-boyfriend of mine, there's, there's, there's Jessica's family and there's Jessica and her dad. Mm -hmm. We look the same. If you see a picture, it's like, we are, we, we move the same. We look the same. We have the same hair. Like it's kind of wild. And that relationship is something I'm continuing to have, even though he's been dead quite a while now, I'm continuing to sort out the good, the bad and the ugly. He actually loved Clint Eastwood too. He loved <laughs> Um, And, uh, you know, there's also a lot of complication with the mom too, um, which in some ways is more painful and more challenging to, to work out. But, um, but I think that, you know, growing up with an, a wildly beautiful person who's also an alcoholic, it was also an alcoholic and had a lot of his own serious trauma and PTSD that was never even close to resolved, um, really shapes how we are in relationship, how we, um, how we relate to our gender, how we relate to our sexuality, all those things. So I don't know if there's maybe a, a bite-sized conversation that wants to jump off of that. <laughs> well, I, I definitely, so my dad passed in early 2020 from cancer as well. And he also was an alcoholic, although he was a sober alcoholic for the, for the last 35 years of his life. Um, and he was extremely proud of that. And the, it's, it's not that I didn't think about it before, but certainly since he's passed, I have noticed myself, I, I have noticed him in a lot of my conflict, relational conflict, um, things that I learned from him, uh, ways that I project onto my partner to make them my stepmother in this scenario, Mm -hmm. uh, really, really common. But, you know, my dad, my dad, uh, my dad and I also had a very unique relationship and and that was kind of, you know, he got sober when he became the single parent of me and he had five children before me. So it always became, uh, sort of weaponized from my, you know, my jealous step parent, uh, onto me that, you know, you're your dad's favorite, uh, you know, like you always take his side in conflict and I was only three when they got together. So that, and that, that started very early. And I, I, I don't know, you know, I, I just really tried for a lot of my life to be like, yeah, I had a good, you know, I had a very 
good childhood. Uh, I learned, I appreciate my parents are human beings and I hold nothing against them. But then it's in my thirties, all of that got like upheaved and not due to any major physical abuse or like maybe, maybe some emotional stuff that I haven't sorted out yet. I, I don't like, I just haven't really given it the time, but, um, but one thing I, I wonder about is how having a parent who's an addict, even if they're not active in the thing, like drinking, their personality is still that mm-hmm. of an addict. And I feel that in me, mm-hmm. in, in relationships and with substances sometimes from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a little more self-awareness around it because of, of watching my parents. But is there something about, because, you know, is there something about that addictive, what are the patterns, I guess, of the addictive personality, even when it's not to a thing we might obviously say like, oh, you're addicted to alcohol or you're addicted to drugs. Like what are ways that those patterns show up in relationship or conflict? Maybe that's not a bite-sized conversation. (laughs) (laughs) That's our next one. Um, Yeah. yeah, I mean, I will say that there's, I've, I've done a a huge amount of untangling of, of that when it comes to what it was to grow up with a parent who was addicted to a substance. I also, I've been sober now for 14 and a half years from alcohol um, because I very much followed that path as far as I was like a quintessential teenage alcoholic, like would shake in the morning when I woke up. Um, and so it can also go the other way. It can be like, I'm terrified and I'm never going to touch a drop of alcohol. That can happen too. Um, but yeah, there's definitely, um, you know, there's a, there's definitely a kind of narcissism in, in addiction, right. Especially when it's active, but not only when it's active, you can see someone who's got long-term like 12 step recovery, who very much has that, that quality. So there's a very sort of self-centered, self-focused quality when it comes to, um, you know, addiction of, of whatever kind. And I think whether we take on the addictions of our parents, what I've gotten very interested in is, and I know it's like, you know, a buzzword right now, but, but narcissism and being an extension of narcissism, because I did have caregivers who were narcissists, potentially, you know, personality disorder, narcissism, as well as what comes from addiction. And so one of the things that I've needed to be aware of is not only my propensity for addiction, but also my propensity for, um, you know, being an extension of perhaps a covert narcissism sort of personality. And the good news is, is that I don't have a personality disorder. Cause if I did, I probably wouldn't be able to like stop doing the things. Like I probably wouldn't be able to go to therapy and then start behaving differently, which I have been able to do. Um, but that can, you know, that can show up in how we treat each other, but obviously how we're willing to be treated. So for me, I have stayed in situations much longer than what served me because of that thing that we do of can I recreate this experience where I was abused or neglected or whatever it is and fix it and get them to treat me well and get them to love me in order to heal this deep, dark wound. And I did that for years. And I feel like in some ways, like I would have said 15 years ago, I was done, but in some ways feel like, okay, no, 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 now I'm done. No, now I'm not going to do that anymore, (laughs) but it's, it's more complicated than just making a choice. Right. Because there's, 
the whole, I, there's the whole uh, limbic brain and the limbic resonance, which is like, when we're little, little, little ones, we are, de it's de our survival is dependent on our deep attraction to our parents or our caregiver. And we get wired to be attracted to what they're offering. And it's, it's, you know, it's wired in. And so if you're like, you know, I like bad boys. Yeah. Cause that's what your brain was wired for. I tend to be attracted to emotionally unavailable people or people that can't commit or people that mistreat me. Yeah. Cause my brain was literally wired for that. Mm. And when I would get, you know, one would get the little sprinkling of the love and the hits of dopamine and the various chemicals that need to fire, you get addicted as a baby you know, you start being like, all right, I need to be very quiet or I need to be very loud or I need to do whatever in order to get a little bit of that. And then that becomes our relationships and that's limbic resonance. And what we can do, which is amazing. And I've been hard at work for many years on is limbic revision, where we actually change what we're attracted to, where we get turned on by something safe, mm. where it's sexy to be seen and loved and and chosen or whatever you know whatever it is that needs to heal there um so that's a that's a pretty radical path and it's a long one i can speak from personal experience it's a long mm. path i didn't realize that narcissism was a buzzword but that is some that is a word that i have used and heard lots of other people use about my my dad and and my mother actually and it's one of those things that, you know, you go through life going, well, I'm, I'm not that uh, I'll be anything but that, mm. but like, you know, you're protesting maybe a little, a little too much, but that, that is just, it's definitely, it's nice to hear you say that if you, if it was a personality disorder, then you wouldn't be actively, you know, trying to seek it, healing for it which I'm like, okay, at least I can recognize yeah, yeah. that, you know, right now I'm, I'm incredibly, you know, just self-centered in this and self-involved and overly obsessed with my path or like my healing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've done some, um, some work with a uh, therapist who specializes in people who've experienced narcissistic abuse. And it was so helpful and validating for her to be like, honey, no, you, you are, you do not have a personality disorder. The fact that you're questioning if you do, and you're going and saying, but maybe it's because I blah, blah, blah. She's like, that's a pretty sure sign that, that you might have some codependency <laughs> going on, but you're not, you know, yeah. you are not a, you know, and, but yeah, I definitely recommend if you've, if that <laughs> word's been coming up, I definitely recommend doing some research around um, covert narcissism. Okay. Because it, it, it's like, I found out about it by searching narcissism light, <laughs> Narciss, <laughs> narcissistic abuse, but not as bad. Um, so ridiculous and great. Um, but I recommend checking it out. There's definitely a lot of YouTube stuff on it and there's lots of TikTok and Instagram stuff on it. And it can be really, um, healing and validating just to see your experience and be like, oh yeah, that's what happened. And oftentimes if our parents exhibited those tendencies, personality disorder or not, we are probably going to be drawn to people and relationships where that is reflected. And probably we're going to experience some of that kind of abuse and not even know that it's abuse mm. because we are so trained to that being normal. Yeah. Mm. 
What does that look like? Covert narcissism. Like, how does that how does that manifest? I think it wears a trench coat. Um, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I am by no means an expert on this, but I will say that one of the one of the qualities um, that they point out is that sometimes with a co- covert narcissism, it's less of this grandiose, like I'm the best, and it's more like I'm the worst, and I'm so insecure, and I feel really bad, and you're making me feel bad because when you point that out, I just remember how what a horrible person I am. Mm. It can be Fuck. a bit more of. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> but then it also has like the other qualities. It just tends to be like not as intense. But things like they say they call it word salad. It's when you're in a circular conversation with someone mm. and you're getting more and more confused and you're talking about talking about it. Like you're having a conversation. You find yourself defending how you're talking about what you're talking about. Mm. And before you know it, like there's not, it's like it makes no sense. And so you're what either the fuck com- are we even talking about right now? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you you find yourself either, you know, fight, flight, freeze, right? You find yourself in like, yeah. I get it the fuck out, or you find yourself in like try or fawn, trying to appeal to and appease. Um, you find yourself apologizing when you're the one that actually went in with the feelings. Um, and so that's something that can happen, as well as you know, gaslighting, mm. which doesn't have to be this like full on, um, you know, was it, was it Hitchcock? Was it his movie that infamously, I don't remember. Anyway, it doesn't have to be like, like this, like extreme version. It can be very subtle, Mm. very subtle, which means you don't necessarily notice it's happening as well as like triangulation bringing in a, this is tricky when we're talking on monogamy because, um, (laughs) <laughs> it can show up in ways that you don't recognize it's happening mm. um, and triangulation, just bringing another person or people or even like an organization, whatever it is in and triangulating in such a way where you're questioning your reality or you're questioning your worth or your, you know, jealousies being created in places it doesn't need to be right. all because the, covert narcissist is insecure actually and needs to feel you know safe needs to feel in control whoa i think covert narcissism <laughs> is that's the a rabbit hole, rabbit hole that i yeah that's the next turning <laughs> yeah. on rabbit hole that we are going to be going down i can tell you that right now yeah definitely uh jessica thank you <laughs> thanks so much for taking time to just sit down with us and and just let this conversation flow <laughs> as beautifully naturally as it could have um, it re- like really, really do. I really do mean it when I say that uh, you're you're one of our all time favorite guests. We love having you on the show. Look forward to having you on again because it's definitely going to happen in the future. And uh, so, on behalf of Bridie, myself, and all of our our listeners, yeah. we thank you so much. Thank you so much. Such a total pleasure. Hello, my love. Hello, baby. Um, that was such a delightful conversation. And so timely. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Well, I just mean the day that we had it was just it which was yesterday, as as we are recording this, this Monday. Yeah. Um, and it was just it's funny, I was kind of laughing to myself because I, I asked a question that I always feel like I want to ask people, but it just yesterday was the right day for it to come out, which was 
how do you make it through the day? Right. Yeah. And that is a question that I have been asking yourself a lot lately. Well, and, and want to ask everyone, like, how are you doing? Right. How, especially folks like Jessica who work with like big, like expansive meditative yeah. spaces, but also the nitty gritty of like being a human being yeah, and like struggling through. And I just, I vacillate between, I think I vacillate between that great big zoomed out picture, which makes me feel overwhelmed and then into the details. And I just yeah. swing wildly back and forth between those like hourly uh, these days anyway. And I'm finding it really exhausting and it's difficult to be productive. You know, like some of those things we talked about, like, <coughs> oh, wait, nothing matters. But if nothing matters, yeah. then let's, this is all happening anyway. <coughs> let's Make enjoy ourselves, you know? But yeah. it's just, I think more about that, those directions rather than actually yeah. doing any, like, it's just a very <laughs> unproductive place for me. Hey, Donut, maybe you can chew that bone not on the metal of the table. Here. Come over here and chew it, buddy. Um, yeah, I I love that conversation and um, and w- like in that conversation with Jessica, I was just it reminded me of. Did you do this thing during the pandemic where like you, um, especially during like the early days of like lockdown, lockdown. Like early days of lockdown, I remember I remember it was just me and Bigby in the house. And like I was seeing no one. My mom every once in a while would come by with like gloves on and like full PPE to drop off groceries, which then I would then wipe. take those groceries in and, and Lysol wipe them down. Like that shit, right? Like yeah. early days. And I remember at that time, what I was doing was taking Bigby for daily walks, trying to stay away from humans. And I spent a lot of that time um, listening to Duncan Trussell's podcast. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, th- this isn't a unique experience for myself. I've, I've, got, I've had this experience before where, like, you listen to a podcaster so much that you start to, like... Think in their voice. <laughs> no, no. You start to, like, you start to, you start to feel as though you are, like, they are your, your best friend. Right. Obviously, you know that they're not, but like there's well, that. Well, when I listen to you podcasting. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but we are best friends, so that makes sense. Um, and yeah, anyway, I listen to a lot of Duncan Trussell. He's still one of my favorite people on the planet. Like, and I, I, I really value his thoughts and his voice and the things that he says. Man, Jessica is like talking to her on this podcast. I was, I, all I could think of was like, I really want to hear you and Duncan sit down interesting, and just wax philosophy and talk about life and thoughts about existence. And I just think she would be such a, she's such a, she's so good. She's just such a fun person to listen to yeah, and to be around. And the cheer, the cheerfulness, it, yeah. not that cheerfulness is maybe the, the wrong word, but. I think when I asked that question, like, how do you get through the day? That's what I meant was like, how do you maintain this this sort of yeah. what seems like amusement? Yeah. 
of it all, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure it's all very real and very like authentic, but at the same time, like she's on a podcast and she's on yeah, and she's doing a really good job at it. Yeah. So, you know, anyway, I didn't have anything there other than just my love for Duncan Trussell and my love for Jessica Graham. Yeah. And my, my like fantasy that one day those two paths will cross. I'm sure. I mean, where's Duncan based? He's not in LA anymore. He he moved, him and his family moved to uh, North Carolina. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? There could be a connection there. Asheville, I think. Yeah. um, There's definitely a connection there somewhere, like of of six degrees. Yeah. Oh, 100%. For sure. If you live in Los Angeles, you're connected to everybody. Yeah, yeah. By six degrees. Maybe they date. They might have dated. I mean, honestly. (laughs) Let's just make up a whole (laughs) narrative. Um, um, if yeah. you don't follow Jessica Graham on Instagram, I would highly recommend oh, yeah. it. Yeah. Um, she's a beautiful writer, um, and her posts are always really just nice to see on your feed. Just like, they just like, feel like she's reaching through the screen and yeah. just being like, Hey, hey hi, 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 how are you? Yeah. yeah. Highly uh, recommend. She's uh, Jessica Clark Graham Clark with an E, um, on Instagram is her handle. But I'll um, link that in the show notes as well. You uh, you had something you wanted to dive into here. Well, first, I have a couple of questions. First of all, uh, I opened up my um, I opened up my my Instagram just now to see a picture of Paul Rudd because this morning when I woke up, he's I was like, show. he's also been voted the sexiest man alive by People Magazine. That makes a lot of sense to me, right? Yeah. And everybody's yeah. like, you know. His he's so he's so funny. He's very dreamy. I yeah. he's he is a bit of a dreamboat. Anyway, so I just wanted to bring that up because I think that's a well deserved award, and I'm really proud, really proud of. Him. I'm really proud of the fact that I've been in love with him since Clueless. Oh yeah, okay. So this is one of those like yeah. I, I, I was, knew it. I knew, I knew he was it hot before along. he was cool. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But the other question I have on celebrity news is: okay, Do you think so- they end up banging in Clueless? Do you think? Do you think like at, like when the movie's over and their lives continue? Do you think that him and her eventually start having the sex? like Pornhub brother sister stepsister stepbrother sex thing? Well, there's got to be some that has to exist on the internet. That somewhere. porn exists. One hundred percent. Wow, I never even thought about that. Well, they had. I mean, they had such like. There was some sexual tension between them. Oh, they them. ended up... I love Josh. That's yeah. where she gets to at yeah. the end of the movie. I love Josh. Yeah. Yeah, and... Yeah, and they... Is that like, how it ends? Like, she's like, I'm in love with you? Yeah, and they get to get there. They're like... They're but, like but do they decide to other. get together? Or I, is it like, well, we're brother and sister... No, stepbrother I, and stepsister. Nah, no, they don't. They, they don't have that conversation. She, she's just I gotta like. Go, I got to rewatch it. You have to. It's yeah. such a good movie. And Alicia Silverstone uh, plays the mother in. You're gonna laugh so hard. I just started watching The Babysitters Club on Netflix. Okay. It is so wholesome. It's teenagers today. So these are books that I read like back in the 90s, right? Oh, okay, it's it, a, from a series. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's from a book series, yeah. The Babysitters Club. But the television series is so wholesome and it captures these kids that are like 12 years old and they're, they're they look like legit 12 year olds yeah. so perfectly in today's context. So they they have the phones and they they have, you know, the things of today, but they're still they're pre. I don't want to say prepubescent, but they're pre like that weird phase in junior high where right. you start 
covering up who you are to right. like try to fit in. Anyway, it's so wholesome. They touch on things like gender identity and well, that one really stood out to me, but they, they, they touch it so gently and mm. they just weave it into the narrative. So lovely. It's really, really wholesome. I and really, so she's the mom and the, she's the mom of right. one of the kids in it. And right. it's so great. It's so great to see her. Cause I don't think she's, she's much, she, I don't think she does much. Her. Yeah. I haven't seen her much, but yeah, that porn probably, uh, probably totally exists as well as I'm sure some babysitter club, uh, genre definitely porn as well i think i watched one of those earlier this week i have to ask do you know anything i this is also blowing up my um, instagram feed um this whole did taylor swift and like jake gyllenhaal have a did something bad happen there i don't know i saw i saw i have no idea i saw jake gyllenhaal in some sort of meme the other day that was like fuck jake gyllenhaal or something I don't know. Did he, does he just steal a star, a scarf from Taylor Swift or something? I don't know. I, don't I do know. know that Phoebe Bridgers and her duetted okay. one of her early songs, and that was a big deal for okay. Phoebe. Okay, okay yeah. Because Taylor Swift seems like genuinely a, a, also a, the real deal in terms of a cool human being. Man, wish I could tell you. I, I honestly, I don't even think I could... It's I, I it's same with Billie Eilish. Like I couldn't I don't think I could tell you a single song that either one of them have sang. I'm so sorry to everyone listening. Because I know saying that there's like people just freaking the fuck out right now. Yeah. But I, I couldn't tell you a single Billie Eilish song. I couldn't either. Love her. I think she's great. I just listened to her on Smartless the other day. Oh, fucking yeah? lo- love her. She's so fucking awesome. So will you listen to her music now? Probably not. Why not? just toss on an album and see how it plays you like you love music more than anybody i know i do yeah i i don't know i i don't really listen to much pop yeah you should well so it seems to me like taylor swift has she's she's like bend bent some genres as well i think that's my understanding anyway i don't know if she's bent genres i think she's just dipped and dabbled Wasn't in, she in like genres. A country okay i see yeah not bent genres you're right but she she dabbles in multiple genres yeah um, I would I would recommend. I've only really listened to one album, but I have a niece um, in Charlottetown who almost exclusively posts Taylor Swift memes about something to do with like the music being the story of ev- seems like every young woman's life, right. and it, it really resonates with people. But I just really wanted to see what happened with her and Jake Gyllenhaal because I like I think I like him, and I hope nothing shitty happened there. Um, well, did you look it up? Well, no, I mean, it just seemed like it was going to be a lot of... Well, just pop... The first thing that popped up, Jake Gyllenhaal gave us irony when Taylor Swift dropped All Too Well short film. Okay, so she... Yeah, so there was a short film that touched on... But but I also saw that they only, like, maybe they dated for, like, three months. I saw a meme that had three photos. Him and Taylor Swift, she's wearing a scarf. Him and... Or her and Maggie Gyllenhaal, and she's... I think still wearing the scarf and then a shot of Jake Gyllenhaal like current day wearing the scarf. And I think Taylor Swift wrote a song about how she left the scarf at a sister's house. I, I don't know, but I'm just hoping I'm hoping one of you out there knows and maybe can just like clarify. Cause yeah, I, I'm like looking I'm not, at it right now and it's not significant. I, I just don't care. No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, where's Taylor Swift's scarf? Is it in Jake Gyllenhaal's drawer? The guardian. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me, dude? Get the fuck out of here. This is news. 
And to Taylor think- Swift has run a close second to Ezra Pound for having devotees scour every word of her hero's writing, of their hero's writing, and search for a deeper meaning. Those on social media may have spotted Swifties in a lather over a recent uh, reference to the pop star's mysterious red scarf. Yada 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 yada. Uh, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> unless it ha- unless Phoebe Bridges is involved, I don't give a shit. Okay, that's fair. That's totally fair. Because I'm in love with Phoebe and not Taylor, so I don't care. Let it be known. Let it be known that if uh, if you have one celebrity, oh man, last night Leah Leah was like, I'm going, I'm going in this week. Her sister's a hairdresser. She's like, I'm going in this week to uh, to see my sister to get her hair done. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, I'm, I'm changing my hair. And I was like, I, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't no. admit to this on. No. I, but I was like, don't. Like, I just love her beautiful blonde hair. And I was like, please, please don't change it. I love it so much. And she's like, well, I don't care. I'm changing it. And I was like, okay, fine. Whatever you do, I'm cool. I, I'm cool with it. Whatever you do, you're, you're, you're beautiful to me no matter what. And then she was like, do you want to see some like photos of what I was thinking? And she was showing me, she's getting it like dyed, like fully fucking changed, like changed. dyed and chopped. And I was, oh I was like, oh my God. She's, she's reading that how to disappear forever, how to change your name and disappear forever book. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Might not see her anymore after next week. So she shows me these like, these pictures of hair that was like, it looked like brown, but like almost like a silver brown. Okay. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of cool. I was like, oh, it looks really cool. And she's like, yeah, I, just, I don't know. I just want to like change it up. And I was like, you know, Phoebe Bridgers, <laughs> she's got cool hair. And the look that Leah oh, gave me. Oh, no. What was the look? I was just like, don't fucking talk to me about yeah. Phoebe Bridgers. Go fuck yourself. I know, I know how you feel about Phoebe Bridgers. I don't care. I feel like you had a celebrity <laughs> crush on somebody that I felt that way about as well once upon a time. I'm trying to think of who that would have been. Really? Yeah. Jennifer Lawrence? It may have been Jennifer Lawrence, but I think it was pre that. I think it was like, I think this was back when, I think, I want to say like Sasha Gray. I want to say like porn star (laughs) celebrity days. Sasha Gray. I was like, what? Really? I don't know. I mean, very, yeah, there was a time. (laughs) Yeah. And it was with me. It wasn't that long ago. Interesting. Isn't that funny? Surprising that I was sharing with you my porn star crushes. Uh, yeah. She hasn't done porn in a long time. No. She got out a long time ago. That's interesting. She's yeah. still still acting? I don't know. I don't I haven't uh I'm not sure. Okay, interesting. Um This conversation this is an f- interesting follow-up conversation to our chat with Jessica Graham. Why? Just because it's just, all over the place. Yeah, it's not really going anywhere. We started talking about L.A. and then we got into yeah. celebrities. Um, okay, well, I'll I'll bring it back home here for a second, and then we can we can wrap it up. All right. Um, I was uh, uh, I I I I don't know how to basically introduce this, but essentially, I'm gonna. Um, Emily Nagoski is uh, a, an author of a book called Come As You Are. And if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably heard of that book or read it or you know who Emily Nagoski is. Um, one of, I want to say, the the OG like sex educators out there of our time anyway. Right. Um, and I happened upon her page 
today and onto her link tree where she has like a survey and I, I, I didn't fill it out, but I thought the questions were interesting because I had also just seen these very similar questions on uh, Kat Nance's um, Instagram story feed. Oh yeah. Okay. And I thought eh, this might be just good to, to chat about. So sweet. Let's go through. Uh, it. These are four open-ended questions followed. Uh, these are four open-ended questions. Um, the goal is to elicit thoughts about what makes sex desirable or undesirable and pleasurable or Im- unpleasurable. So folks listening at home, feel free as well to use these questions to talk to your, uh, whoever's in the room with you about uh, what you think. <coughs> so Jeremy, uh, my question, my first question for you is what is it that you like when you like sex? What is it that I like when I like sex? Yeah. I don't know if I know what that means. Like, uh, she like, says, it might be helpful to think of a time you had sex you really enjoyed and describe what you enjoyed about it. What is it you like about sex when you like sex? Hmm. I, um, I think the sex that I like, the thing that I like when I like sex is like losing yourself mm. in the sex. Right? So like, uh, without being too specific, uh, like I was recently having sex and, and it was really intense, like, uh, really like passionate, intense, um, sex, not, it wasn't rough sex, but it was like, there was like, there was like high intensity on both sides and not quite primal, but like somewhere in between like aggressive and, and primal. Um, and there was something that Leah did while we were having sex that, uh, she had never really done before or at least not like this. And it, it, it was like an immediate, like, whoa, that, that really turned me on. Like that really turned things from like a nine to an 11. Right. And I think where that, or at least where it felt like that thing came from, what she did was just her being lost in the, the expression of sexuality in that moment. And that was a big turn on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like when you get, when you almost, when you're not thinking and you're doing, but you're not, mm-hmm. it's not on autopilot. Mm-hmm. You're not thinking when you're doing because you are so, in, you're so enraptured by the, the process. Mm-hmm. Cause like there's sex where you're having sex and you're just like, I'm just, we're just, we're just having sex. We're just having sex to have sex. Uh, and there's nothing bad about that. It's it's always good. It's like a good thing. But there's the the times where they're like you you sort of transcend that, and you're having you're you're swept up in the in the process of it all. That's I think that's the answer to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that that sensation. I like the. I don't want to say you. I lo- I don't want to describe it as like a loss of self but um they're like a loss of inhibition 
I suppose, or like your ego is out of the way. Yeah. There's and, no ego to it. Yeah. And or self-consciousness. It's yeah, yeah, just yeah, like yeah. a yeah. yeah, like a momentum and a movement. Mm. Yeah. I feel that's I feel that that's would have been my answer as well to that question. Okay. Okay. So my next question is what is it you don't like when you don't like sex? So it might be helpful to think of a time you had sex you didn't enjoy and explain why you didn't. So the, uh, the pretty much the opposite of what I just said, right. which is like the like performative. Uh, like when I feel like my partner is doing something just because they think that that's what I want. Mm-hmm. And that that takes me out of it. Mm-hmm. But that's, I mean, it's hard. It, like I say, I, when I say, I say that, I say that. And there's a difference between when my partner knows I like something and they do it. Mm-hmm. Um, versus when my partner thinks they know I like something and they do it. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yep. So like, Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know how else to describe that. Okay. Like there had like when when whatever that thing may be, it needs to be done for it needs to be done for them in order for it to feel good for me. Mm-hmm. And so that's what that's the sex that I don't like. When I feel like my partner is doing this thing only because they think that that's what I want and not because oh, I know that he likes this and so i'm going to i want to do that for him as opposed to like well he likes this thing so um i'll do it for him yeah yeah that makes sense i don't like sex when uh when when someone is like only paying attention to their own pleasure. Like Mm. I've had sex a couple of times with people where, and I know that there's going to be some people who hear this and they're like, what are you talking about? And there's going to be some people who hear this and they're going to be like, I know exactly what you're talking about. But being with a partner, I with a, a penis who just wants like this jackhammering action. Right. Even, even when I'm like, kind of like, yeah, like let's do that. Mm. Eventually, I'm like, I kind of get mad, right, about it, right. You know, I kind of just be like, I'm do, I, I am doing this because I think that it's re- you require it mm. right now to like get you to that next level or to come or whatever. And usually, when it's happening, it hasn't happened in a really long time, but. Usually when that's happening, it's like, uh, okay, I've already come. So let's yeah. get you, get, let's get it wrapped up and out of here. Yeah. Um, that's when that like comes out and I'm like, oh, like I can do this for like 10 seconds and then yeah. I'm out. Yeah. And that probably has to do with a bit of pain. So I want to say, I don't like it when sex is like, like when, when a relationship is new and the hormones are going and the pain is like pleasurable. Great. But then after a while, 
when those like new relationship hormones <laughs> like rub off, if sex is like painful even a little bit, I think it becomes like, uh, I could deal mm, without that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Anyway, so that's question number two. Yep. Question number three. Questions go. Uh, what, what is it you want when you want sex? It might be helpful to think about a time you really wanted sex but could not have it and describe what experience would have satisfied that want. When you want to have sex, what is it you're looking for? Geez, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. I think that's a hard question to answer because it's like, it's not, there's no one answer to that. Right. I guess my answer, I want that, that, you know, if it's in a relationship, if the sex is taking place within a relationship, I want that feeling of connection. Hmm. Usually I want to have like the moment, I want to have the moments after sex that where everything's like, okay, nothing's that bad. Like I'm Hmm. filled with happiness chemicals and I feel satisfied usually and that feels good. Um, tension subsides. Yeah. But if I want sex and I'm I'm not in a relationship and I just want sex, it's. I think it's the expression, the self-expression that I want. I yeah. Want, okay. That makes. Yeah. I. I would. I would say. I. That's probably my answer. There is like that the self-expression thing. Sometimes I want to feel exhausted too. Right. Like you put in a good hard day's work. Yeah. Yeah. But not, <laughs> not, no, not so much that, but more like I want to feel like I spent every ounce of energy that I had on doing this thing. Okay. Yeah. That and self-expression. Okay. Cool. Hey, uh, and then the last question is, um, what is it you don't want? Do you ever not want sex, Jeremy? What is it you don't want when you don't want sex? The only time I don't want sex really is like when I'm really not feeling good. But but even then, like there's there's times where I'm, you know, like my fucking back is thrown out. I'm I can barely breathe and my entire body hurts and all I want is just sex. So I don't know. Do you want sex or do you want to someone to get you off no i want like, i want you want sex i don't like i i actually don't especially right now in life it's rare that i ever get sex just for me to get off um that doesn't happen super often and to be honest i don't like that that's i mean that's that's a that's a whole part of the like what really turns me on is when my partner is super satisfied like that that's what turns me on so i don't i don't i don't really it's not it's really really not it's super rare for me to like just have sex just to get off yeah also i find it hard to i find it hard now i mean this is this is like a a thing that's changing that's always changed throughout my life but like i've now i find it hard it hard to 
come unless my partner has come. Oh, interesting. I have a hard time climaxing until that point. Do you like to come second? Yeah. I mean, I've been coming, I've been coming second almost exclusively now for like a year and a half. That's so interesting. I, which that usually wasn't always usually the case. I I, mean, we were having sex like that was, that wasn't the same. That wasn't. No, no, that's true. It was very different. But I like coming second. Yeah, right. But it's rare <laughs> if you wait to be second as... Sometimes you wait to be second and then and then you're like, you know what? It's not going to happen. Yeah. It's, that time has passed. Yeah. Yeah. That's happened. That's happened before too. Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry. Wait. What was the question though? What, what do you are, not want? When you, when you actively don't want to have sex, what is it you don't want? I just want to, I just want to cuddle. I just want to snuggle. You don't want the work, the, the exertion. Yeah, maybe. Cause you still want connect. If you want to cuddle, you want touch. I definitely still want touch. You want connection. I, there's never a time where I don't want touch. Right. That's like, that is, uh, that is literally, unless I am throwing up or something. Right. You know, I don't like, don't fucking touch me. Yeah, definitely don't, don't touch me if I'm in that state. <laughs> but like, other than that, I con- I constantly want to be mm. like, I'm like him. I'm like donut. Like, constantly need to be like right now. He's like, I, I'm gonna chew this bone. I got to chew it on your foot. Right. It's the same. I got to be like we're watching I the thing. Can't I got to be cuddle me enough. He only wants to play with me. Man, he's a cuddle. He's a cuddle bug. Well, so's Rose. At least I have. See, Rose. I don't know. I guess. I guess I. Yeah, I don't want. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to do the work. I just want to like, just puddle, puddle, just puddle out. I like that. Uh, what do I not want when I don't want sex? When I don't want sex, I think, I think the effort that it takes to get to the sex is the part that I'm like, Ugh, I don't. I don't want to put that work in. Yeah. And it's, and it is, it's like, it requires attention. It yeah. requires like a little bit of like getting in there and tweaking things in my brain to like direct myself in that <laughs> direction. Yeah. And it's funny, even saying that, like, that makes me think a little bit about my mental health and back to the conversation we were having with Jess and other things I've been thinking about in this last few days um, is like the responsibility of like going in there and changing the things you can change Mm. in your brain to like reorient yourself. Like it's so easy to wallow or to choose to just like only be um, reinforcing thoughts that make you feel sad mm. when you're feeling sad and then to get to to get the motivation to then go in there and tweak and be like okay let's stop listening to all the sad music and let's stop you know like whatever it is that is allowing this wallowing to happen or allowing you know me to reinforce how much like I'm not in the mood to have sex let's say mm. and then get in there and be like try to move some things around so I can think about things differently. Mm. Um, 
that's my biggest obstacle to wanting sex, I think, is that effort. Yeah. Was that it? Were those are the was the, those were the four those questions. Those were the four questions. Yeah. Cool. And, and Kat asked them in her um in her story as well. And I I uh when I saw them again for the second time, I thought, well, maybe maybe now. Maybe now we'll just like take a look at these questions. Uh she says she says something like why do you have sex? And uh, uh, what are you hoping to feel mm. when you have sex? Actually, since we're, I know we're going to wrap this up, um, but since we're talking about past guests, I just want to also tell you that I, um, now that I have a little bit more space in my life, I, um, I started Kendra Kunov's Boundary. Oh, yeah. Beyond Boundaries course. Sweet. So I'm a week in and I just got my second module which I haven't looked at yet, but um, turn me on listeners, you get a hundred dollars off and this course is essentially $200 American. So that's like a 50% discount. It is, I, I mean, that's a great price to work with a teacher yeah. like Kendra Kunov. And she has already got my mind seeing things and my eyes and my body feeling things about boundaries that I didn't know cool before and it's it's really i really like where it's going so far sweet so highly recommend and if anybody out there has done it and took that offer that you know the first time we announced it a few weeks ago and we had kendra on the show please reach out and let me know what you're doing it. i'd love to hear your experiences as well but sweet. Uh, but yeah i'll just one little tidbit i don't want i don't want to give the her course away but the assignment for the week really was to look around at the the boundaries that are already occurring in nature. So yeah, right. I've been thinking about that a lot on my walks with Rose and, you know, walking, you know, like notice how the body of water that separates Halifax from Dartmouth mm. is like a boundary. And, and what does that do to the space and how does it make us feel about the space? Yeah. Bridge tolls going up soon. I heard Fuck. 25 cents. Jesus Christ. Guys, gals, and people out there, did you know that therapy prices have also gone up? If you know a good, affordable therapist, uh, I could use one. So share share your faves with me because, uh, yeah, prices have doubled since the last time I, I had proper yep. therapy. Well, uh, <sighs> this was nice. Uh, thanks for tuning in, folks. Uh, we come at you every Wednesday. So Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating or review. Make sure you hit follow on the Spotify app. And um, and to our patrons, thank you so much. Thank you so much. We just did the uh, second iteration of the Human Connection Through Touch Workshop, which is going to be, uh, if you missed it, don't worry. We're going to publish it on uh, the video on Patreon in the next uh, day or two. Um, so you can check that out there. Yeah. And yeah. all the attendants who showed up were on their own. So it very much became a, a, a individual yeah, I mean, human so connection through touch. But yeah. there there are prompts in there to to guide with a partner and your and uh, and you can also access the first one. The as first well. one, which was very partner heavy. Yeah. Um, Chess.com, the app, get it. Jeremy Saunders, no spaces, no dots. Uh, it's not weird. You can totally add me. 100% literally Chess. add me. Chess.com. Chess.com, the app. Let's play chess together. Um, I'm I, I'm playing like nine people. I need more. I need more. I need someone to 
really whoop me. Okay. <laughs> I, I lose the I lose a game here and there just out of pure luck for the people that beat me. But I need a challenge. So chess.com. Jeremy Sanders. Please give us purpose for continuing to exist. Give me purpose to join a chess club. There you go. I wanna I I'm, yeah, my goal is to do a tournament in the next five years. Anyway. Uh, thanks for listening, folks. Love you all so much. Uh, we will be back next week. And until then, go touch yourself. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.